Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Father God, I just thank you for landing the plane of the kingdom right here in Staten Island. We just thank you for choosing us for whatever reason this bunch of misfits people who have struggled with not fitting in not being good enough not being perfect enough you have chosen to be right here in our midst as broken as creation is you still pick us up put us right on that potter's wheel and continue to mold us and delight in us for, for one simple reason, that we're yours. Just that, just because we're yours, not because we perform, not because we walk, but just because we are yours and we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. If you're, you're here to hear a word from God today, can you please lift up your voices? I promise the more you want it, the faster I'll get to it. That's how Holy Spirit works. If you could be so bold to just sit right where you are or stand right where you are, because if you guys go to the seats, I'm going to just think I have 45 minutes to preach and I need the pressure. Um, If there was ever a time to tell people who have not been to Matrix, you need to get to Matrix, this was it. And so if you're here and you're like, what happened? I promise you, if you join us nine months from now, you will know what happened and you will be a part of it. September 27th is the next class. It's the next class. And all us graduates, we going back. Because we know. We know we need it. And so I I cannot implore you enough. If you get nothing out of this message, honestly, if you're like, I got to go. Go with knowing I'm signing up September 27th, and I'm going to commit for nine months on a Monday. I promise you, we had people even go through the matrix and say, I don't need the retreat. I'm good. I'm good. And those are the people got wrecked the most, you know? Because I believe, I believe God's a little petty, not like, like in a righteous way, you know? But George Zuma... Um, I know from firsthand experience, it's hard being a pastor. And so thank you for continue, continuing to plow. Thank you to doing things that nobody else is doing. And so there's no value. You can do church on a Sunday. There's a lot of people doing church on a Sunday, doing matrix like Sherry's been to four encounters. And this is the one where she actually encountered. So me too. And I've been to therapy. It's good, I recommend it, but therapy plus matrix is better. And I'll take my time, just even that, like, this is so less important than letting you guys know, like, you are so valuable. Just 
hoo-how. This, you're blessing other churches. Like, come on. My brother treats me better. But thank you guys so much for who you are and who you are to others. We're a direct uh, recipient of, of that. I think I have like 20 minutes. It's crazy because Pastor Roe preached at Ignite this morning and literally while, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. While he's preaching, he got the worst news a pastor could ever get because at least I, got, I knew beforehand. I knew beforehand. Yeah, time. He got, while he's preaching, you only have 25 minutes because there's another church that has service. And then in the middle of the preaching, he's like, how much time do I have left? And George goes, they just canceled their service. So right now, Lord, I pray if you could do it for Roe, you could do it for me. Cancel everybody's plans. In Jesus' name, cancel all of them. Fill the reservations up. They ain't going out to eat. They can cook at home. Mama Fran will make Sunday pasta. We're all going, friend. Um, I was going to ask the word. Anyway, I'm going to be here a few Sherry, who somebody said take your time? You, that's dangerous. George, I got a, I got a, I got an inside, I got a secret though. I don't wear a watch. That's, I don't wear a watch. That's a Matrix joke. I don't wear a watch. I'm good. I didn't know what happened. I'm on LA time. Um, you guys ever heard of that phrase? It's not the destination that counts. It's the journey. Anybody agree with that? Anybody feel like yes, yeah, the journey? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the anointing right now to tell you you're wrong. Ah, you're wrong. It is totally about the destination. I've never heard somebody come back from vacation and be like, man, that flight was just what I needed. And you know what a journey is without a destination? You're just wandering. It is 100% about the destination. Except for today, just this one moment, because we're going to talk about the journey. See, this church has been... Uh, those of you who are here with us on, for the first time, this church has been on an eight-week journey through the book of Galatians, and God has been moving. I even believe he's been setting us up for Matrix Sunday, that we would close this message out at the same time that people are completing another nine-month journey where they've encountered freedom. Come on, you guys could give God a better shout of praise if you believe today. Man, we've been on a journey coming to the end of our journey as I close, and it's been one heck of a journey. Man, in, in, in week one wrote, and, and two, wrote told us that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, and the gospel of grace is the greatest news on the planet. In week three, Marquez taught us that the gospel of grace, not the law, it is through that gospel that we are justified. And if you need a, 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 a mnemonic to remember that, that, it means that God has made it so that ju- it is just as if I'd never sinned. Just if, as if I'd never sinned. That is justified. And in uh, week four, uh, wrote taught us that this gospel, the gospel of grace, is the better covenant than the covenant of works and the law. And week five, Pastora, Pastora Lisa came to let us all know you are sons, not slaves. You are adopted sons and daughters, and you have a place in this family. And in week six, wrote taught us, and some of us at Ignite this morning, that the lens of grace has the power to transform our relationships. And week seven, that 
Mei-Ling taught us that the way we are set free from our sinful nature is by starting with Jesus. And the way we continue to live free is by continually, perpetually starting with Jesus. I'm in here on week eight, the last chapter of Galatians. I'm thankful that it was the brief one too, divine anointing, right? To tell you guys, sermon title, what really matters? See, Paul, I should probably read some Bible, make this legal. In Galatians 6, 15, 16, right before he ends, says this. This is his closing statement. And then he says, all right, kind regards, Paul. He says, Galatians 6, 15, 16, it does not matter at all whether or not one is circumcised. What does matter is being a new creature. As for those who follow this rule in their lives, may peace and mercy be with them. Anyone want peace and mercy in their lives? And with them and with all of God's people, look around, you guys are all God's people. This is the final statement Paul makes I think this is the final statement of our eight-week journey and, hey, even our nine-month journey. See, the book of Galatians was fastidiously and expertly crafted to set the record straight for what was happening. And in week one, Pastor Rowe explained essentially there were other Jesus followers who, are of the, who were Jewish and believed that non-Jews had to also follow the Mosaic law. And I'm gonna try to be quick with it, but the best thing you can do to get the real thing is go back and listen to week one. And Paul is trying to set the record straight. That's what all of Galatians is, because. You can't just text people, hey, stop that back then, right? You have to answer and pre-anticipate every question. And Paul, I believe, writes chapters 1 through 5 leading up to this verse in 16 just so that he could say, hey, it does not matter whether someone is circumcised or uncircumcised, which is a metaphor for... um, It's a symbolic thing at that time, and even now it's a metaphor for following the law. Circumcision and uncircumcision was a covenant to the law. And Paul says, hey, that's not what matters. This is what I want our church to know, that that the the law, these things, they don't matter. I want to put to bed some things that don't matter in our walk with God. Here's one that Paul puts to bed salvation. More better said, how you get to salvation, because Jesus took care of salvation, and Paul argues that. He says, he explains, and it is through this that we know and understand that no amount of immoral behavior can lose salvation. You know why? Because no amount of moral behavior ever earned salvation. God never looked at us and said, they're behaving good enough for me to give them eternal life. He said, they're behaving so bad. They're struggling so bad. I'm going to send my son so he can get eternal life for them. So you know what you can stop worrying about? If you've placed your faith in Jesus, am I saved because I sinned yesterday? Is God going to love me still? It doesn't matter. What doesn't matter are groups and labels because it is through 
Jesus and the finished work of the crucified Messiah that we all get to be a multi-ethnic family. Proof positive of this is that this religion, this belief became, stopped being a Jewish faith because Jews started letting non-Jews in. We are a multicultural family. So you can stop worrying about labels. Do they believe like me? Do they, do they, do they have the same political affiliations as me? Do they believe in the same doctrine as me? It, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are they a child of God? Because it is through faith in Jesus that we are a multi-ethnic family and you don't even have to worry any longer if you fit in, if you're part of the family. You know how you get into a family? You're born into it or you're adopted into it. And Lisa explained it perfectly. You are adopted sons and daughters through the love of Jesus. And this is why. Maylin comes along and she says, that it's that battle that you still feel with your sinful nature, you know how you conquer that? It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. It's Jesus that conquers your sinful nature. The very thing that the Pharisees, the, not even Pharisees, these were Christians. These were Jewish followers of Jesus saying what matters is, is the law. It's the law. Paul explains that it's Jesus that matters because only Jesus, not your works, not whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, fit in, holy, righteous, prayed 18 times today, fast as long as Roe and George because they put my fasting to shame. I skip breakfast. They're like, I'm going to fast for 40 days. <laughs> so they must be more saved than me. No, that's not what matters. Those things are good, but they're not what matters and they're not what defeats your sinful nature because Paul says it is the cross that defeats your sinful nature. It is the cross and that's why in this house, that's why at Ignite, you'll only ever hear us preach and talk about Jesus. Yes, we believe sin is real. Of course sin is real, but telling you you're a sinner doesn't make you stop being a sinner. Telling you sin is sin, telling you not to sin doesn't set you free from sin. What sets you free from sin is the gospel of the crucified Messiah, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. Point number one is the reason nothing else matters is Jesus solved it all. He said, salvation, you got that problem solved. No need to compare provision. Everything that I, he has is yours. No need to give in to greed. Love, his love is so perfect and endless. There's no longer a need to break yourself for it. Satisfaction in him, you have so much satisfaction. It permeates your soul. Validation, you need validation. He validated you. He lived the life you can't live and gave each and every one of you the credit as if you alone did it. So then what's left? Well, Paul says it's the new creation. What really matters, other translations say that circumcision, uncircumcision count for nothing. What counts is the new creation. And it seemingly comes out of nowhere, but when you look at the literary techniques of Paul's pedigree, you, you realize that 
what they would do at that time is they would say a bunch of things and then they would say a statement that summarizes everything that they say, said, I know because I do it too. After I go on a long monologue with someone and I feel like they've tuned out and I'm like, all right, I gotta get them back. I go, I say all this to say, Y'all are laughing way too hard, all right? Y'all know me. Ignite is here. I'm embarrassed, all right? You can't. But it was a literary technique. You would say everything, and then you would sum it up in a statement. That's, and you just see that come to fruition. And things like, hey, all of the law, all 619 commandments, is summed up in one. They would reduce things to the essentials, which is what I have to do right now. How much more time I got? Let me check my watch. Oh, Holy Spirit. Okay. And so Paul begins to build when you look a couple chapters back, not even within chapter six before getting to the statement, what the new creation is. But we have to start in chapter five, verse 25, because Paul didn't write chapters and numbers. We did that, this guy, Stephen, I forgot his name, Stephen Langton did that and the whole purpose is to make scriptural accessible. It's a lot easier to say Galatians six than somewhere in Galatians, right? But humans are not perfect, and sometimes there are imperfect divisions that separates content that should flow together. And I genuinely believe that in Paul's thought pattern, Galatians 5.25 is the beginning thought for Galatians 6. And I, I was going to read all of Galatians 6, but I wanted to be able to preach. So we're going to break it down from Galatians 5.25. It says, the Spirit has given us life. He must also control our lives. That's the header. We must not be proud or irritate, or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. My friends, and then he gets into chapter 6, if someone is caught in any kind of wrongdoing, those of you who are spiritual should set him right, but you must do it in a gentle way and keep an eye on yourself so that you will not be tempted to help carry one another's burdens and in this way you will obey the law of Christ. The principle is this, that if the Spirit has given us life, any Matrix graduates who've been made alive in the Spirit today, he says he must also control our lives, which should beg the question what does that look like? And then he proceeds to say things like not being jealous of one another, setting right a friend, and happy, helping carry one another's burdens. And then he says in this we obey the law of Christ, that essentially being controlled by the Spirit changes how you treat people. Which I say, Lord, people are the reason I need the Spirit. What are you talking about? And then from verses 6, 7 through 13, all the way up until this, he, oh no, no. From 6, 7 to 13, he's reinforcing this idea. Spirit should affect how you treat people through this thing. Also another literary technique, parallelism. See, Galatians 5.25, if you read it. Yes, I'm giving you guys homework, but I wouldn't have if Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> 6, 6, and uh, Galatians 6, 17 through 13 are two repetitions that are hyperlinked together via an ABAB pattern. I came to teach today too. In repetition one, 
you see that verse 525 leads with the spirit gives you life, it must also control your life. In, in pattern, so that's pattern A. In pattern B, verses 525 to 66, you see verses about treating people right, and what, which is what a spirit-controlled life should look like. Repetition two begins in verse seven, uh, and six, seven through eight, he talks about sowing into the flesh, which leads to death, and sowing into the spirit which leads to life. And in pattern B, he contrasts what sowing into the spirit and sowing into the flesh is. And verses 6, 9 through 13 tell us that the way we sow into the spirit is by treating people right. And then he does this. This is another thing. Rappers do it all the time. I know I tried to be one. You weren't supposed to laugh. He goes, A, B, A, B. And here's this C, which that change sticks out. And it's an inverse of treating people right because he talks about these people and he says, these people are not treating you right. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about their works. Ipso facto, they're not being led by the Spirit. And so what you should come away with by the time that Paul says it doesn't matter whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you, you prayed five times a day, whether you spoke in tongues, alaba. Sounds like tongues to me. I don't know how to speak Spanish, so there you go. What does matter is the new creation. And if I'm created new, I treat people right. Point two, what really matters is that we treat people like Jesus. And I leave it like that so you can say, do I treat people like they're Jesus or do I treat people like I'm Jesus so that I can then say, yes, it's both. And you can find this in scripture. All of scripture attests to this concept. Paul goes as far as to say in Corinthians, the one that we love to quote at weddings, before he says all that, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, but I don't have love, I have nothing. If I have this gift, but I don't have love, I have nothing. If I do X, Y, and Z, but I don't have love, I have nothing. And Paul is trying to get this church to understand you no longer, like because of Jesus, because of Jesus, stop worrying about your works towards salvation. These people wanted to be in the family of Jesus so bad that they were getting circumcised as grown adults. Talk about having skin in the game. And he spends several chapters saying, no, that's not what matters. God set you free so that you don't have to work from salvation because he wants you to work for people. Because it will always happen that if salvation is dependent on me, it will cause me to make everything about me and forsake people. Because it becomes me-based. I have to earn my salvation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be honest. If your salvation was up to Reuben, I'm going to kick a few people down so that I can look more saved. I'm going to boast. You saw that person I set free? You saw him? I, he, wasn't, he didn't obey the law, but I made him. As long as it's dependent on me, it becomes me-based when it was always supposed to be Jesus-based. And the fact of the matter is it's not about me, church. How ignite. It's not about you. That's not what matters. What matters is one another. He says, help carry one another's burdens. If you're new, if the Spirit is controlling your life, 
carry one another's burdens and in this way you obey the law of Christ you know what the problem with sin is it doesn't affect God God's not like oh no they're sinning heaven's gonna be real bad now oh no they're they're hurting each other I'm gonna have less angels to worship me no like it affects how we treat each other. All sin, every sin that's a sin either hurts someone else or it hurts yourself. Even the one sin, the, the one commandment that's like don't worship false idols, it's about God but it has nothing to do with God, it's all for you. Because he doesn't need our worship. So many scriptures that say the rocks will cry out, says angels worship him round the clock. And you know what bondage does? It isolates and disconnects you from people. And all God wants from the beginning, the first thing, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. What's not good is that man is alone. What he wants is people united. It's all about people, and it's always been about people. Jesus, you know what the law of Christ is? You know who Jesus died for? He died for people. You know who Jesus lived for? You know who he healed, who he was there for? People. He lived for people. It says the joy that was set before him was people. For the joy that was set before him, he died on the cross. He died for people. What would it look like if we endured some things for the joy of people? Paul explains that sowing into the spirit is doing good to everyone. And that every time, church, listen, every time you put someone else before yourself, you are sowing into the Spirit. You want more of Holy Spirit in your life? Treat people, right? Even when they don't deserve it. Endorse some things for the joy of people. And Jesus, Jesus is the chief exemplar of this. And that's why Paul says you obey the law. Forget the law of Moses. Worry about the law of Christ. And the law of Christ, his words himself said, love God, love God. I'll call the worship team up. There are people in need of what we have, especially those of us who've been or just coming back from the matrix retreat. I, I, I want to tell you, you are saved for something. You are set free for someone. And there are people who are in need of those. He says, those who are spiritual, set your friend right. There are people in need of those who are spiritual to sow into the spirit by doing good and setting them right, by telling them about Jesus. But not just telling them about Jesus, but living the way that Jesus lived and treating them the way that Jesus treated them. Did you guys know, this, this actually was pretty, I was like, that is true. Miracles are not miracles to God. God, God never goes, oh, I just parted the Red Sea. Oh my God, look, 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 I made manna. I made manna fall from heaven. Oh my God, look at me. I didn't think it was gonna happen. I created the universe, oh my God, I just thought this would be a fun side project. I gave Ro an extra 25 minutes. He's never impressed with what he does. 
But I think what excites God is when we're the miracle to someone else. See, God wants to use us. He has heaven. He created the earth, all of the earth for us. In Genesis, he says it's good, it's good, it's good. There's things that he doesn't say it's good to. Not to say that they're bad, but just because they were necessary. But scholars believe this, that the only good statements are things that God creates that are directly impactful and beneficial to the, to the thriving of humanity. And then you know when God stops creating things? After he creates Adam and Eve and gives them their assignment. He rests because they begin to do the work. And that's what God will do. He will provide and provide and provide and provide freedom and provide gifts so that you can go and bless people. And what I think really excites God is when we're there for people. Like I think God gets like a parent at their kid's game. We have some of those parents here, like you, when you see your kid like at Little League or whatever, you get so excited. I think sometimes there are people praying for a miracle and then God is looking at those who he's provided for and set free and he's like, this is it. Come on, this is your moment. I've been blessing you. You've been wondering why those checks, why your finances have just been coming through so that you can provide for this person in need. You wonder why that I set you free from depression and drug addiction in an instant so you can set this person free. And he's watching us take it and run. And when we start helping people, he goes crazy. I believe he loses his mind and he's like, come on, come on. I blessed you for people. worry about your works for salvation work from salvation for people and what's ironic is the most common scripture used to refute the gospel of grace that it's not about works is this verse in James and I don't have time to go through it all but you can read James up to verse, chapter 2 verse 26 where this verse comes in and what you see as he says things like pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our Lord is this. You want to, you want to, we want to know what pure and undefiled religion is? To visit orphans and widows in their distress. He says in James, leading up to this verse that's used, faith without works is dead. That's the verse. But if it's not about works, why does James say faith is, without works is dead? Here's, here's, here it is. If you fulfilling the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, you are doing well. And in chapter 2, he says, What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? But all the time, this whole time he's been talking about works for people. And then he says, can that faith save him if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of a daily food? And one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? In the same way, faith without works is dead. Works for people. Not salvation. Not for God to still love you. Works for you to show the love of God to people. And then he says, 
at the end. People quote this and it's the end of the chapter. Talk about taking something out of context. The, imagine taking the end of the movie and saying that's the movie. George would be so offended because God talks to him through movies. You know what he goes on to talk about in James chapter 3? You guys want to take a guess? Shout it out with what you think James talks about. He talks about people. In 3, he starts talking about the power of the tongue. And he says, he's talking to people who are not treating people right. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and we and we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, both blessing and cursing come. My brothers, this should not be the way. He says, you're blessing God. That sounds like following the law. And I'm not saying, don't bless God. Bless God. He goes, but you're blessing God and cursing people. submit to you guys today that grace is absolutely about works. It's 100% about works. You ready? Two, two works. One, the complete and finished work of the cross in Jesus. And that through Jesus' work you have salvation. And he works in you. Second work, our work for people. Not for salvation, not to please God, but to extend the work of grace in our lives unto others. He forgave so we could forgive. And he gave all that we have so that we can give it to others. hear me right, it's not about living life beyond our means. In the same chapter, uh, Paul in Galatians, he says, help carry one another's burdens. And then later on, he says, we each have our own load to carry. So it's not giving more than you have to give. It's asking God to give you more to give. Prayers that say, Lord, help me be an answered prayer. Lord, stretch me. Lord, use me. Last point, and we're done. Jesus makes it possible to live as these creations. And I think that is like, the thing that matters, he says, hey, I took care of it all so that you could focus on what matters. But you know how you do what matters? Through me again. Mayling's message will always preach. If you're here and you're saying, okay, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I live the new creation? How do I be there for people? You start with Jesus. You start with Jesus. You say, Lord, use me. Lord, help me. Lord, it's only through you. Lord, I only have what I have because of you. Help me see. Because gratitude... I don't usually do demonstrations, so work with me. Gratitude would always show you where you have more than you realize. So I'm very unflexible, right? Look, look, can't touch my toes. But what gratitude does is it, what's already here, it begins to make you realize and stretch. And the more you practice gratitude, look, Look, thank you, Jesus, for what I have. Thank I thought I only had enough for this, but I said, thank you, God. And look, look, 
and I'm legit, like, I really can't. But the more I do it, the more I stretch, the more I practice gratitude, he will take the little you have and turn it into more than enough. I just got saved from Matrix. He's gonna take that and use that for others. I just showed up here on a Sunday. He's gonna take that and use that for others. You just have to thank him. You just have to start with Jesus. And in Galatians, you love me so much. Oh, look at that. Being there for people. Immediate application, that's my pastor. In Galatians 5.13, we're a chapter back. But again, it's all about people. He says, as for you, my friends, you were called to be free. Anybody believe they were called to be free? Anybody know they're free today in Jesus? He says, do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires to control you. Because it's all an extreme. And in Corinthians, he goes the opposite way. Over here is legalism. Over here is hedonism. And both of those things make life about me. On the side of legalism, my works, my, my, my is what gets me into salvation. And on the side of hedonism, it's all about me. My pleasure, what makes me feel good, what I like, forget them, it's all about me. And Paul is always trying to bring people, when you read all of Paul's letters, he's always trying to bring people here and say, no, it's not about you. It's about others. It's about Jesus. And he says, hey, don't let that freedom go this way or this way. Keep it right here, centered on Jesus. And he says, you know what you can do with that freedom? You can instead use the freedom that you have and let love make you serve one another. It's about people. Using the freedom. You know the kind of freedom I want? I want the kind of freedom that Paul had in Jesus. Because Paul was so free that he was placed in a prison real prison and this is I didn't even know this part the person who put him in him and Silas in the stocks this jailer that's the jailer puts him in prison and Paul and Silas Paul was so free that in a physical prison they began to worship and in their worship all of the prisoners. I want to be so free that no matter where I'm placed, no matter what kind of bondage comes for me, no matter what kind of prison you put me in, you can put me there, but you're going to be sorry because I'm not just going to set myself free. I'm going to set others free. You take me to the bondage of depression. I'm bringing people who are depressed with me. You take me to the bondage of unforgiveness. I'm bringing out some forgivers. You take me to the bondage of rejection. I'm people... I'm bringing people who know they're accepted and they're loved. And then it says that the jailer sees that the cells are open and goes to kill himself. And Paul is so free and so caught up in being there for people that to the person who put him in the bondage, the person who put him in the jail, he says, my friend, my friend, no. 
And in the next few verses, the person that was putting him in prison, he is setting free and leading him to Jesus. That's the kind of freedom I want to live. That's the kind of love I want to have for people. That you can try to put me back in bondage, but I won't just bring back others to freedom and to Jesus. I'm taking you with me. My love, you can't taint my love. My love's gonna infect you. You can try to hate on me. You can try to step on me, but my love, cause my God is more than a conqueror. Oh my God, they said it at the retreat. Stop fighting people with swords. Fight them with your love. Love them so hard they can't take it. It's about people. It's always been about people. We have here two kinds of people. I want to do that later. I want to do that later. What I want to do right now is I want to say a prayer for the live stream. I want to thank you for being here. I just want to say a prayer, and then we're going to move here in the atmosphere. And if you're upset, come on down. We love you, and we want to see you here too. Lord, right now, I just pray that Christ Uncensored will be a church that embodies love is our logo because we know love is the answer. We know that it's only through Christ's love that, that people are set free. It's only through Christ's love that people are healed. It's only through Jesus. And so I ask that Kuhau, Ignite, whoever you bring into this atmosphere will become lovers and doers for people that we may know it is finished, it is finished, it is finished, that every time we doubt you may tell our souls, no, it doesn't matter what really matters. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.